Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, now we come to your word. We're getting closer and closer, Lord, to uh, communion, to taking the elements, and to... Uh, this reminder, this physical reminder of your death. And so help us now, Lord, as we now open your word to prepare our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, verse 10, that's the, um, the key verse here. Romans chapter 5, verse 10, is the verse we're going to really use for our, to center on one phrase in that. Romans 5, verse 10, where it says, If when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. It's, uh, now's our time when we're going to remember the Lord in his death. There's a phrase in this verse, Romans 5.10, that we just want to use to center our thoughts, and it's the phrase, by the death of his son. One of the great benefits that we have as believers is that we have been, as it says here in Romans 5.10, we have been reconciled by the death of his son. And when we think about the very last words of the Lord Jesus Christ when he died in John 19.30, where it says, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. That word finished means accomplished, uh, in, in, um, or if it was in Hebrew, made or accomplished. And, and, and so when he cried, it is finished, really he was crying out, it's accomplished. It's accomplished. It was his whole soul crying out with a shout of success, accomplishment, achievement. I did it. And by his death, goes along with this, by his death, he accomplished. By his death, he finished. And what we want to do just in this time that we have here is to consider what he gave us as gifts by his death. The important gifts, some important gifts that he gave us by his death. Isaiah 53 is just an arresting chapter. It's an arresting chapter where when you read Isaiah 53, really there's nothing to say. But there's everything to stand back and admire and just be amazed at. Because Isaiah 53 describes how we benefited, what he gave us by his death. When it says in Isaiah 53.5, Isaiah 53.5, that he was wounded for our transgressions, that he was bruised for 
our iniquities, that the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. In that verse, there are four references to the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did by his death. He was wounded, he was bruised, he was chastised, he was beaten. Or, and, and in that verse, there are four corresponding references to us. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace with us upon him. With his stripes, we are healed. So with such an awful description of what he suffered, the question becomes, why? Why? Why did he allow himself to be so mistreated? And this verse before us here that we've been looking at in, in, uh, in Romans 5.10, by his death, the verse before this description in Isaiah 53.5, verse 4, tells us why. Because it says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Though yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. When it says, he bore, Surely he hath borne our griefs, the word griefs there is the word sicknesses. And we can see this in what he did, what the Lord Jesus did one evening. One evening is recorded for us in Matthew 8.16. Matthew 8.16, what an evening this was. It says in Matthew 8.16, when even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. That was the one evening. It was such an evening when friends and family brought all their physically sick and all those who were mentally tormented by the devil, they brought him to the Lord. And that night he healed all that were brought to him and at the end of the evening, when the sick were healed and the tormented, mentally tormented were delivered, the conclusion statement was Isaiah 53, 4. The conclusion statement was that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. That's like a foretaste for us of the greatest healing when we're all going to be healed from all our sicknesses. We've just spent time going through this, this, the, the prayer list as, as Brother Clint has been reading it to us. So much cancer, cancer of little kids with leukemia, cancer of older ones, cancer. These are sicknesses, sicknesses. By his death, he gave us the gift of the cure for our sicknesses when we will experience this in a coming reality. In Revelation 21.4, Revelation 21.4, where it says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. A gift he gave us, the cure for our sicknesses by his death. He gave us the gift of the cure for our sicknesses. Now, that verse in, in Revelation 21.4 also said that there would be no more sorrow, no more sorrow. And if there's one word that would describe 
the Lord, the life of the Lord Jesus Christ as he approached death, it's the word sorrow, sorrow. Especially seen, we've just sung, lead me to Calvary, lest I forget Gethsemane. And it was in that garden of Gethsemane where he was later arrested, where we read in Matthew 26, 37, Matthew 26, 37, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Terry, you here, watch. He went a little further. He fell on his face. He prayed saying, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. When he came to the garden of Gethsemane, it says that he was sorrowful and very heavy. And we're told why, why he was, he was feeling so heavy, what the load was. It was because of the load that's described in Isaiah 53, 4. Isaiah 53, 4, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. It's our sorrows that were so heavy. And they gave him this amazing title. In Isaiah 53.3, the verse before, Isaiah 53.3, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. We esteemed him not. So as we read what he was enduring, we can so easily gloss over. When we read this verse in Isaiah 53.3, we can just read it over. And the hymn writer has to stop us in our tracks and says, wait a minute. You've got to look at that name. You've got to look at that name. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. And when he came to the Garden of Gethsemane, he told Peter and James that he was so full of sorrows that he felt like he could die from the sorrow. And what he accomplished by bearing our sorrows by his death was the cure for our sorrows. The cure for our sorrows and when he said in John 16, 7, John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. How did he depart? By his death. By his death. When he died, when he rose again, then he sent to us the comforter who is the Holy Spirit, to take away our sorrows. That's why he's called the comforter. And when Peter told a group how they needed to repent and how they needed to, to turn away from their sins and be baptized, Peter said in Acts 2.38, Acts 2.38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a gift to us. The Comforter is a gift to us. By his death, he gave us this great gift of the cure for our sorrows, the great Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit. Now, we have a great problem. We have a great problem from our sins. We've been singing about it when we, when we sang there is a fountain filled with blood, 
And I told you my favorite word was plunged. Sinners plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains, lose all their guilty stains, washed and made clean. The problem is, from our sins, is that our sins make us filthy. They make us filthy, dirty. They make us dirty, rotten sinners. And even the best of our performance is called filthy rags in Isaiah 64, 6. Isaiah 64, 6, which says, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. That's a real problem. That's a real problem because there's no way that we can clean ourselves from the filth of our own sins. We were helpless to make ourselves clean. That's where the Lord Jesus Christ stepped in and helped us, as it says in Revelation 1.5, Revelation 1.5, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Amazing. There's not a more intimate help that a person can give than to say something like, he loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And all of the disciples, when he did something to illustrate this, they were shocked when in John 13, 4, John 13, 4, we read, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded, was clothed in. They were all shocked to see the Lord wrap himself in a towel and then wipe the disciples' feet with the towel he was wearing. And there was a protest because the towel was like his clothes and he was getting his clothes dirty with their feet. And how much more when it's not his clothes that we was using used to clean them, but his own blood that he used to clean us from our sins. And that's the scene in heaven in Revelation 7.14, Revelation 7.14, where it says, and I said unto him, sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, these are they which were come out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. We have this scene that we've been singing about in the fountain filled with blood. We have the scene of this fountain that's for sin and uncleanness in Zechariah 13.1. Zechariah 13.1, which says, In that day there shall be a fountain. So great that song says, there is a fountain. And Zechariah 13.1 says, In that day there shall be a fountain opened. The fountain was there, but now it's open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. That's a fountain that the church has been using for so long for sin and uncleanness. And now the best word for the Jewish people is it's now open to them. Open. Now that fountain has been opened to the house of David. And just like the hymn says, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged. That's what's my favorite word plunged beneath its flood, lose all its guilty stains. That hymn really expresses the cost of the fountain when it says there's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. That's the third gift. By his death, 
he gave us this third gift of the cleansing of our, of our sinfulness. First gift, cure by his death, cure for our sicknesses. Second gift, by his death, cure for our sorrows. Third gift, by his death, cleansing for our sinfulness. Now, we have another problem. We have a lot of problems, but we have another problem. And this problem plagues us before we're saved, and it plagues us after we're saved. And it's described in Isaiah 53, 6. Isaiah 53, 6, which says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What's our problem? We have a disease. It's a disease of straying. It's a disease of waywardness. It's in our blood I think it's in our DNA, this desire to want to leave God, this desire to want to go our own way, this feeling that tugs on us all the time, saying, go your own way. Who wants to live a life of submission and obedience to anyone? Break out. Be free. That's a disease. And the hymn writer describes that when he says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And there's only one solution to that problem of leaving God. And it's not found in our own willpower. David told us how to return when he said in Psalm 119, 176, Psalm 119, 176, when he said, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant. The Lord himself is the solution as he comes after us and calls us to return. And we hear his call through the Bible. We hear his call through our conscience. We hear his call through other Christians. Those are all the shepherd, the great shepherd, using Bible, conscious Christians to call us back. Call us back, as he said in Matthew 18, 11, Matthew 18, 11, for the Son of Man has come to seek that which is lost. How think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep, And one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which has gone astray? All we have to do is to decide that we've had enough of our own way, that we're done with our own thoughts, that we want to turn back to the Lord. And then he steps right in and helps us. He says that in Isaiah 55, 7, Isaiah 55, 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And he will return, let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. The solution to our going astray was the Lord, by his death, taking our iniquity on him. Isaiah 53, 6, Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. For our going astray, our sins were laid on him. In his death, he gave us the fourth gift of the defeat of our strayingness. Now, we had another problem from our sins, and that was that there was a legal record from all of our sins, and that legal record called for justice. And there was nothing that we could do to take it away. There was nothing we could do to expunge the record of our sins. There was no amount of good works that we could do to earn the removal of the record of our sins. But when the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins, he paid. 
He paid for all of our sins. And he steps forward to deal with the record of our sins when he says in Isaiah 43.25, Isaiah 43.25, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. He not only blots out our transgression, he forgets them. He forgets them so much so that he'll never say what those people said to Peter. Aren't you the one who, the Lord will never say, aren't you the one who did this? Don't I remember you from, he'll never say that because he won't remember them anymore. By his death, he gave us the fifth gift of removing the record of our sins. But when we sinned, we sold ourselves into a state of sin. And we had to be bought or redeemed out of that state. And we couldn't afford it ourselves. We couldn't buy ourselves out. But when he died, he bought us out, as stated in Acts 20, 28. Acts 20, 28. Take heed unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. The church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. First Peter 1 Peter 1.18, 1 Peter 1.18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, things such as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Revelation 5.9 is a song. Revelation 5.9 are the lyrics of a song that's sung in heaven. And the song is, Revelation 5.9, they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. By his death, he gave us the sixth gift of our redemption. Now, all of our needs come down to one great final need. We need to get to heaven. We need to go to heaven. And we see how the death of the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished our safe passage, our safe passage to heaven. 1 Peter 3.18, 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. When we all get to heaven, as the hymn says, when we all get to heaven, we're going to say there's only one reason why we're all here, and it's going to be 1 Peter 3.18. Christ also hath suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death. That's the gift that he gives us there. That last gift is the gift of safe passage to heaven. So, if we make ourselves ready now to take the elements, let's remember and be grateful to the Lord for these gifts that he gives us by his death. By his death. He gave us cure for our sicknesses. By his death, he gave us comfort for our sorrows. By his death, he gave us cleansing for our sins. By his death, he gave us the defeat over our waywardness. By his death, 
he gave us the gift of removal of the record of our sins. By his death, he gave us the gift of redemption. And by his death, he gave us the gift of safe passage to heaven. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 